Good morning. Sorry, I'm just realizing I forgot to turn on my Bible to where I'm going to be. Here we go. Isaiah 58. Well, we're starting our Habits of Grace series today, uh, looking at um, another habit that God has given mankind in order to position ourselves to be in the right place, to receive from God, to follow Him, to hear Him, uh, to be a part of His work, all of that. And uh, there are habits that we find in Scripture, habits that Jesus had, habits that He taught His disciples. They're regular rhythms that God wants us to have. And so we're here again in Habits of Grace 2024. And if you noticed in the, in the foyer out there, there's a wall where it has like this sign, Habits of Grace 2024. And, um, and in it, it has a definition of the word unrested, unrested. And uh, I have the definition here. It's very short. It's of a person. Here's the definition of unrested. Not refreshed by rest. Pretty simple. That's kind of easy. Not refreshed by rest. Um, I think it's more interesting that these two words, refreshed and rest, are found in the same verse in the Bible speaking of this very issue of rest and unrested. These two words, refreshed and rest. It's similar to our word busy. You know, busy is that four-letter word that we shouldn't use, but we do. We use that word. We say it. We say, oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm too busy. Um, What's worse is it's self-inflicted. We, we bring busyness on ourselves. We fill our free time with entertainment and our work time with obligatory labor. I don't know if you're like me. Uh, you know, I could be, when it, when it comes to work, I like working. I like finding out what do I need to do, let's do it. And I always like to work just a little bit more. There's always just a little bit more. And if you've ever worked hard and you gave like, oh man, I just gave everything. This is enough. And you gave just a little bit more. You know how that made you feel? You were just so happy. You felt fulfilled. And, and then even if it's 2% more, it felt like it did 30% of work. And you get so excited. Uh, you know, work, we fill it with labor. But then we have free time. And you need free time. So if you work really hard, you're tired. And once you get to free time, you're like, well, free time, I'm just going to relax. And uh, I'm just going to take a load off. And, and, but instead of giving yourself refreshing times, you fill it with endless entertainment. Like just imagine someone there uh, sitting on the couch and scrolling through their phone. And uh, let's say you're like me and you want to be responsible and you're like, you know what? In five minutes, I'm going to get up and do something. And then 15 minutes go by and you're like, oh. I need to get off this thing. But Taylor Swift's going to the Chiefs game. And so you just, keep, you just keep scrolling. And then 15 minutes goes by and you're like, I shouldn't even be a pastor. What's wrong with me? And you just, you feel good. You, you fill your free time with just mindless entertainment. We're so busy, we never stop. It affects our health, our relationships. It, it leads to bad habits. If, if we've all heard the proverb, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. At one time, I thought, that's in the Bible, because that's so true. And I looked for it. Is it. That phrase is not in the Bible, that particular phrase. 
But that concept of the enemy trying to make you busy and distracted is throughout all the scripture. It is true. The enemy wants to keep you distracted and and kind of going at full speed. He wants that for you because busyness is an effective weapon. And it's an effective weapon because it keeps you from resting in God. And resting in God is what God designed you for. God actually created mankind with a need to rest. Rest is the maintenance uh, that we need for our mind, body, and soul. It's not just physical, it's not just mental, it's not just spiritual. It's all of that in one. And God made it clear when he set the world into motion. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 2 in the very beginning. Genesis chapter 2. First book of the Bible, second chapter. Genesis chapter 1 is all about God creating the heavens and the earth in six days. And then you get to chapter 2, verse 1. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. God finished making everything that he was going to make out of nothing. He did it. He was done. Verse 2, on the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Notice it's repetitive on purpose. God is giving this to Moses to write down. He rested because he finished all his work and he finished all his work. So he rested. He's emphasizing this of what God has done. In verse three, God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it. He rested from all his work of creation. You notice it says this three times. It's emphasizing it. God rested. Now, what does rested mean? It's the Hebrew word sabbat. That's the, that's the verb for rested. He rested. Uh, you've probably heard a word like it, shabbat or sabbath. This word means not just to rest in the sense of, oh, sit down for a moment. It means to cease, to stop. Rested, this rested means he stopped his work. And God, re- God rested not out of weariness, but out of a desire to bless. He blessed this seventh day. He declared it holy. He's got a reason and a purpose for stopping on the seventh day. And it's not the last we hear about it. Later, it's called the Sabbath. And when the Israelites were wandering around in the wilderness after fleeing Egypt, God gave them miraculous food. So just in case you're a little bit newer to Scripture, You know, in Genesis, it tells us God created everything. You have Adam and Eve, the first man and woman. You have their kids. uh, You have their sons, Cain and Abel. That was a mess. You know, by page two, everything's a mess because of sin. And um, in the Bible, this 2,000-page book, page two, it's already going bad. And so Cain kills Abel, and then you have their sons, and you have genealogy. And then it gets so bad, you get to Noah in chapter six, um, and God decides, I'm going to flood the world because everyone is sinful all the time. This whole thing is corrupt. It's perverted. Everybody's just messed up. And uh, men are treating women as property instead of partners. And and everyone's constantly taking and they're sexually immoral and everything's just horrible, Genesis 6. And God chooses a man named Noah and he says, I'm going to start over. I'm going to flood the earth because mankind was not created for this. We weren't created for death and sin and, and hatred and evil and all this. So God starts over, uh, and then you have the Tower of Babel. You have, this is where the nations come from, because we just if we all came from 
a couple people, uh, you have the nations and the languages and people are all over the world and now people are separated, but God still loves us and wants to reach us. So in Genesis chapter 12, you get to Genesis 12 and you, you start the story of Abraham. Abraham was one man and God chose him because he said, through you, I'm going to build a family and through your family, I'm going to build a, a nation. I need to build a people, not just a family, but I need to build a people for myself. And so he chooses Abraham. He starts this agreement with him. He says, I'm going to bless all these other nations that are now separated by languages and other places because of the Tower of Babel. I'm going to reach them because I still love mankind. I still want a relationship with them. But they totally mess it up. And God says, I'm going to have to put you in slavery for 400 years because I can't build a people that are going to follow me and follow my customs if they're like everyone else around them, the Egyptians. So he puts uh, Abraham's descendants in slavery. There's only about 70 plus people. He puts them in slavery for 400 years because in slavery, once you're enslaved, it's like an incubator and you don't become like your captors you keep your identity because they're making you keep your identity because they, they don't see you like them. You're their slaves. And so he builds a people, a nation of millions of people out of uh, Abraham's family. And then he says, after 400 years, I've heard the cries. I'm going to rescue you. You've been enslaved for 400 years and I'm going to set you free. There's a promised land. It's just a a piece of property in, on the planet. It was nothing special to anyone else. God says, this is going to be the land, and I'm going to give you a land. I've now made you into a nation, and a nation needs a land to call their own. I'm going to give you this land. So Moses, his representative, he uses Moses to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt and while they're in the wilderness, they just start complaining about everything. Oh, I miss Egypt. You know, the fish out of the Nile were so good, and the leeks and the onions and the melons. And now all we got is this manna, this bread. It's like total cereal. I don't know if you've ever... Uh, when I was younger, we didn't eat healthy, but my mom was on this kick. She's like, I'm going to make you eat total cereal because I had every vitamin in the universe. And so she's like, you're going to eat a bowl of cereal every day, total cereal. And I hated it by day three. But anyway... Uh, God gave the people manna. It's like bread that ended up on the ground outside. And he gave it to them and he said, I want you to trust me. This is going to be sufficient for you. This is going to help you. And he tells them, for six days, I want you to collect this. But on the seventh day, you do not go outside and collect more manna. There won't be any. Well, this isn't Exodus chapter 16 by now. This is before God gave the law through Moses. They don't have the Ten Commandments. They don't even have a Sabbath day yet. But referring back to Genesis chapter 2, Moses knew from God, I want you to work for six days, but on the seventh day, I don't want you to collect the manna. So I'm going to bring you there because we need to get a concept of this idea. So Exodus 16, verse 22. On the sixth day, the Israelites, when they're wandering in the wilderness, gathered twice as much food, four quarts apiece. Instead of two, they did four for the sixth day and also for the seventh day. So think of for Friday and for Saturday. And all the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. And he told them. So Moses tells the leaders, yeah, we need to keep this up. Why? This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow, there's, think Saturday, tomorrow is a day of complete rest. And if you've got your program or taking notes, you should write down those words, complete rest, up there at the top. The, these words and phrases are going to be important to understand what God intended. It's, it's a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath 
to the Lord. It's holy, it's complete, it's for ceasing, stopping, and it's to the Lord. It's to God. It's meant to be to Him. Bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and set aside everything left over to be kept until morning. So on Friday, cook twice as much food as you need and have the leftovers for the next day. This is significant because if they did this any other day except Friday, the food they would have uh, had maggots in it because, you know, they try to store extra. So verse 24, so they set it aside until morning as Moses commanded and it didn't stink or have maggots in it. When they tried to do this every other day, because they're like me, I overpack, and I'm worried. I'm like, we need to have enough. Well, people have always been that way, and not everybody's the same. Some of you guys are like, I just need my shorts. I'm fine. Uh, not me. I want it all. I want to be extra prepared. And so people are like that. So they would try to gather more manna than what they needed because I don't trust God to provide. I, I need to have enough. I need to have security. And so they would gather a bunch of food. The next day, they'd wake up and it would stink. Everyone around would be like, oh, get that out of here. It smelled horrible. It had maggots in it. You couldn't eat it. They didn't eat maggots back then. You can't eat maggots. So they would throw it away and it'd be like, that was a big waste. And where would they throw it away? They didn't have garbage cans and recycle, you know, systems like they had today. So it just messed up everything. And so the people were like, we can't collect it any other day. But on Friday, a special supernatural thing happened. God told him, I will make it to where it will last and I will provide for you. That's important. So, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath. Remember, that word just means to stop, to rest. Today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you won't find any in the field. For in six days you will gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Verse 27, yet on the seventh day, so humans were humans back then too, Yet on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they did not find any. Then, so you just imagine, some people are like, oh, sure, Moses, we won't get food that we need to survive on Saturday. And Saturday morning comes, and they're like sneaking out, and they're like, I'm going to go get some manna just in case. I don't know what Moses' deal is, but I know for me, I don't want to die. So they would go out, and there would be no manna, and they'd be scratching their head like, where's this miraculous food? Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and instructions? Understand that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. You should write that phrase down. The Sabbath is a gift. God has given the Sabbath, this rest day, to the people. Therefore, on the sixth day, he will give you two days worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. It's like he's grounding them. Like God is saying, listen, you're grounded. Stay where you are. That's it. You're not listening to me. You're in trouble. Stay where you are. Don't do any work. I want you to stop. This is important to me. I want you to stop what you're doing, and I want you to rest. So the people rested on the seventh day. Then you think, oh, no big deal. Yeah, it's part of creation. Okay. And Moses made it a big deal, and God's like, I'm not going to feed you if you do this. Okay. To drive the point home, God made this rest day one of the Ten Commandments. You know the, the Ten Commandments? God writes it with his finger on stone, gives it to Moses to give to the people. It became the fourth of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, and here's that phrase again, to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, that means like your animals, no one, not even your pets, no one does any work, or 
the resident alien. There's two different words for uh, aliens and foreigners in, in the Pentateuch. It's those that are just passing through and those that are staying with them. Everyone that's staying with you that's like, we're going to be a part of your culture, you cannot work, even if they're not Jewish. They cannot work on the seventh day. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. So Moses is repeating to the people, God made everything in six days. So you work for six days, and on the seventh day, you Sabbath, you stop, you rest. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. By the way, if you're a science nerd like me, this is where the week came from. You know how like we have a week of seven days? This is so interesting. You can Google this later. Do you know that for thousands of years, nations and people have tried to set up their calendar based on the moon, the sun, and agriculture? Do you know that the moon, the sun, and agriculture, even the rotation of the world around the sun, nothing fits in seven days? Sorry, that's seven. Nothing, nothing fits in seven days. You have to always add a day or take away a day. Nothing fits into seven perfectly. It's a prime number. It's an odd number and not odd meaning, you know, metaphorically. It's just, it's a, it's seven is unique. The only reason why human beings today have what we call a seven-day week is from the Jewish people, not the Egyptians, not whoever people, in all of history, the week came from the Jewish people. Why? Because God created everything in six days and on the seventh day he rested. This is where it all comes from. Everyone else tried to follow the moon or agriculture or the sun. Um, there's some weird outliers out there. Some nations have actually tried to have a eight or nine day week. They tried to set their work day or work week into eight or nine days and it crumbled. It ruined the people. This has been scientifically proven. We have no natural explanation for why seven days are significant and a good rhythm except for Genesis, where God created everything in six days and rested on the seventh. I just think that's so interesting because that goes beyond anything we have in history or science. It is so unique. And God wanted it to be unique. You get this feeling as you're reading in Scripture this pattern like, God really made this a big deal. Like He is really driving this home. So, the pattern is found, and God says, hey, I want you to remember it. It's one of the Ten Commandments. On top of it being one of the Ten Commandments, Exodus 31, verse 12, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, this is later, you know, this is instruction, you must observe my Sabbaths, for it is a sign between me and you and throughout your generations. For people that come after you, this is a witness, a sign, this is... This is part of the way that they know this is significant. This, this is a sign uh, between me and you and throughout your generations so that you will know that I am the Lord who consecrates you. Consecrates is like holy. It's like the word holy. I'm going to holify you. The Sabbath day is holy. It's set apart. It's unique. But get this, on this unique day, the reason why it's unique is I am making you unique. I am consecrating you. That's like the word holy and sanctify. I'm setting you apart. I'm making this special between me and you on this special day. Verse 14, observe the Sabbath for it is holy to you. Now this is where it gets crazy. This is where it just blows everybody's mind at this point. Whoever profanes it must be put to death. If anyone does work on it, 
that person must be cut off from his people. So there was this uh, Sephardic Jewish philosopher. Sephardic means like from northern Africa, I think Egypt and all that. There was this, and he was impressed by Muslim uh, culture, a guy named uh, Maimonides. Uh, he was this Jewish philosopher, and he was in the 12th century, and he went through, he was, a, he was an intellect, he was really genius, and he went through and, and wrote a couple of works that we still have today. One of them divides up the laws in the Old Testament into 613 laws. Have any of you ever heard, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament? You've probably heard that. All of the laws are found in the first five books of the Bible. That's why the first five books are called the Torah. Torah is the Hebrew word that means law. Or you've heard Pentateuch. Pentateuch just means five books. All of God's laws in the Old Testament are actually just in the first five books. This guy, Maimonides, went through and he found 613 laws. There's 365 negative and then the remainder are positive. He went through and documented them so that people could know all laws. Do you know out of the 613 laws that you could divide up in the law, in the Old Testament, only a couple of dozen of them, if you break them, it's punishable by death. There's 20 categories, but some of them are repeated. About 24 laws, God says, it's punishable by death. Now just let that sink in. 613 laws, only 20-ish, you die if you break them. Now here's some of the 20. Uh, idolatry, adultery, child uh, sacrifice, uh, other abuses that are really inhumane, and, uh, and, and working on the Sabbath. Murder, murders punishable by death, and working on the Sabbath. Now, I just want you to think of all the laws that the first thing you get is death. You do not pass go, you do not collect $200. These are the big ones that God's like, you better not break these laws all of them make sense except this one. If you murder someone, death penalty makes sense. If you do some of the idolatry, adultery, okay, this is ruining people's entire lives, families after families, it makes sense, you should die. If you work on Saturday, you die? You, do you realize how big of a deal God is making this? And here should be the question for all of God's people. Why? Why is this such a tremendous deal to our Creator and Lord and King? Why is He really emphasizing this, this day? Verse 15, Work may be done for six days, but on the seventh day there must be a Sabbath, must be a Sabbath of complete rest. There's that word phrase again, complete rest. It's a full rest, holy to the Lord. Anyone who does work on the Sabbath day must be put to death. There's no, uh, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry you get put to death immediately. The Israelites must observe the Sabbath, celebrating it through their generations as a permanent covenant. You know how many times the phrase permanent covenant is used with God between him and his people? Very few times. One of the odd, rare, still trying to figure this out ones is with the Sabbath day. This is so important to me. I want this to be permanent. You can't change it. It is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God is making a big deal about this because rest in God has a purpose. This command has a meaning behind it. If you, if you look back at verse 17, and I'll add a verse on the screen in Exodus 23, it is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. If you go back to Exodus 23, 
Do your work for six days, but rest on the seventh day, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female slave as well, as slave as well as the resident alien may be refreshed. Now, if you look at the bottom passage, Exodus 23, verse 12, it makes sense that people will rest, that you let your animals rest. That makes sense. And it uses the word refreshed. It uses that word. But why does it use the word refreshed to God? Why in Exodus 31, 17, uh, it is a sign forever between me and the Israelites, but on the seventh day, he, that means God, rested and was refreshed. What does refreshed mean? How could God be refreshed? Well, the word, the Hebrew word for refreshed means to breathe. So in our language, if we were to translate this, this is, the, this is what the Hebrew word for refreshed means. <sighs> On the seventh day, God stopped, and it's like he took it all in. Like we use the word, like you tell someone, oh, take it all in. It's when you sit there and you stop and you say, hmm, Look how wonderful this is. Yes, I'm happy. I'm thinking about this. I'm focused on this. Ah, we sometimes will use the word take a breather. You need to take a breather. You need to stop what you're doing to reflect on something that's already happened. This word refresh, God refresh. God wasn't tired, right? When he made the world in six, or the universe in six days, was, was he standing there going, oh, sorry, you guys, wait, hold on, hold on. Oh, man, six days, this was tough. This is, I mean, solar systems, sun, moon, stars, earth, animals. I mean, all the bugs. There's so many bugs. Like, you know, wasn't, that, wasn't he tired? Not tired at all. Didn't need to lift a finger. He literally spoke in existence. Not difficult at all. But on the seventh day, God stopped and said, this is good. And he did that to give us part of his image. That's a part of who he is. He stops doing what he's doing to take it all in. And he created us to stop what we're doing to, to take it all in, to be refreshed. There's even a Sabbath year. Uh, every seventh year, God told the people, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to stop working the land. And I want you to let the land rest on the seventh year. So every seven years, there's a cycle God started it. This makes zero sense to men. Men will work seven days a week, and they definitely don't take a year off. Zero sense to us, but God says, I want you to take a year off of the land so that you let it rest. I'm making it, all of creation, like this on purpose. I want you to stop. And the people were like, uh, I got a question. I can just imagine the Israelites going, question? Wait a minute, okay, okay. So, okay, taking one day off of a week, ugh, Maybe bad things happen. I need to work every day. Taking a whole year off of the land, you're killing me. We're going to die. We, we can't eat. Uh, we, this is, remember, this is thousands of years ago. You, where are you going to get food? How are you going to make this happen? And God, said, God, knowing that this was their fear, replied to it in Leviticus 25, verse 20. If you wonder, and if should be since you're going to wonder, since you wonder... What will we eat in the seventh year if we don't sow or gather our produce? Right? This is a reasonable question. This isn't like disrespectful. This is like, uh, how are we going to eat if we don't work? Very good question. God says in verse 21, I will appoint my blessing for you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, 
You will be eating from the previous harvest. You will be eating this until the ninth year when the harvest comes in. So God says, I know what you're thinking. You're going to say, this isn't going to work. God, you have this weird rhythm where you want us to stop. We're going to die. God says, okay, on the sixth year, when you sow and you reap, I'm going to give you three years worth. So in year six, seven, and eight, you're still going to be eating what you started in, in year six. Not year five, not year four, not year three, not year two, not year one. You are not going to have extra any other day, just like the manna in the wilderness. But on the sixth year, I'm going to bless you. That means for five years, you have to be trusting that God's going to do this. You just have to trust that God's going to do this. Sixth year, I'm going to provide extra for you. And so what God was saying in summary was, I'm giving you this rest time, not just to give you rest, but also to test you that you trust me, that you will trust me that I will provide for all your needs. I will do something that nobody else does. No other nation, culture, people does this. This is not going to work in any, you're not going to read this in your fancy textbooks. No one's going to tell you to do this, but if you do this, I will bless you. And so he wanted them to trust him. But it's even more than the provision. What God was really driving at was relationship. The purpose behind this rest day and this rest year was relationship. God wanted to connect with them. Uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 13, you get this through Isaiah. If you keep from desecrating, desecrating is like the opposite of consecrating. It's like the opposite of making something holy. Desecrating is you make it unholy. You pervert it. You make it wrong and bad and evil. If you keep from desecrating the Sabbath, from, and get this, doing whatever you want on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, not seeking your own pleasure, and not talking business, if you will stop from your regular labor, verse 14, and then you delight in the Lord, the purpose of this is I want you to spend time with me, I want you to delight in me, I will make you ride over the heights of the land and let you enjoy the heritage of your father Jacob. Or maybe your translation talks, I will feed you with the promises, the fruit from the promises I gave to Jacob, which is to all the people. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So, so let me translate this. If, if, if this was in this day, it's like, if you will stop doing whatever you want on, your, on the rest day, how many times have you called the rest day your day. This is my day. This is my rest day. I'll just do whatever you want. I want. In this day, it would be like God saying, listen, I did not give you this rest day so you would binge watch Netflix and be lazy. I gave you this day so that you would stop doing what you've been doing for six days and that you would delight in me. I'm giving you a break from living this broken world that's cursed so that you will focus your attention on me because I want to spend time with you, right? How many of you have ever experienced this? You're lying in bed, and you really just want to spend time with your spouse, and you look over, and your spouse is on your phone. Or you're out there in the living room, and really, you just want family time. Everybody's always on screens, and you look over at your kids, and they're on a screen, or your spouse, and all you want to do is like, can you just turn that off? I just want to spend time with you. 
Or have you ever been with someone, but you felt like they weren't really with you, right? Like their body was there, but they weren't really with you. They're not really paying attention to you. How does that make you feel when you love somebody and you want to spend time with them? That's how God feels. God has feelings and emotions. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to look up from your device, put it away and say, I want to be with you. That's why he gave it to us. Not to be lazy, not to just, hey, we need rest. You know what? God designed you and created you that you spend one third of your life unconscious. You ever thought about that? He didn't have to make sleep, right? God could have created us to where we just keep running. Think about how fun that would be if we could just have fun at night and work during the day and we never had to sleep. Wouldn't that be awesome? It would not. How do I know that? Not me. I don't have wisdom like that. I know how he created it and he didn't mess up when he did it. He on purpose made it that one-third of your existence is unconscious. You do zero when you sleep. You help nothing when you sleep. You are zero, if anything, and if you snore, you're not great when you sleep. You're not helping the universe out. But he made you that way to drive home the point, I don't need you to work every minute. I don't need you distracted every minute. I designed you so that you would rest. So the Sabbath wasn't like, oh man, I haven't slept in six days. Do you know if you don't sleep in six days, you get delusional, you could even die? You have to sleep, right? I know some people are like, I never get any sleep. Okay, yeah, well, you do because you'd be dead if you didn't. You definitely sleep at some point. I know some of us get little sleep. I get that. But you all sleep. You have to sleep. Your body will sleep whether you like it or not. God made you that way and he gave you a rest day so that you would not just sleep, but that you would focus on Him, to put everything away and focus on Him. So, God has a reason. It's relationship. He wants one with you, and He wants you to be a witness. If you're the Israelites, I know we're still in the Old Testament. He wanted the Jews to be a witness to the nations around them. Think about this. When it says in Exodus 31 that that the Sabbath was given as a sign for all the generations, What did God want the Israelite nation to do? He wanted them to be a blessing to who? Just the Israelites? No. He wanted them to be a blessing to all the nations around them. Now just imagine this. There is no culture in all of mankind. Zero. Not in all of history. Not even weird ones. No one has ever done this. No one except the Jews. God wanted the Jewish people to be neighbors with other nations and the nations to go... Now, wait a minute. So every Saturday, you can't do work. And and you don't get behind, right? You're still successful. Every seventh year, you let the land rest. Uh, Aren't you going to die? And this is the Israelites' opportunity to be a good witness and say, we are trusting the Lord our God. We're delighting in Him. We're not going to do any work on the Sabbath, and we're not going to cultivate the land on the seventh year. They they had rotations. We're not going to do this. We are going to follow this odd custom because we trust God. And then when the Israelites flourished in the promised land, everybody's like, I want that land. And they're still doing that today. I want that land. I want what you have. God gave this to the Israelites so that they would be a witness. That's what a sign means, just like a literal sign. This is meant to be a a proclamation, a witness to the people. 
We trust in our God, and He takes care of us. So, what's the application? 60 seconds, application. How do we rest in God? If we're Jews living in the Old Testament, how would we rest in God if we were to do this? You can use the word rest as an acronym, R-E-S-T. This is on your, uh, your, your program. R stands for rest. Rest in Christ. Rest in God and the finished work of Christ. No scrolling feeds. Don't distract yourself with mindless entertainment. Enter God's rest. Jesus has finished the work that we are made righteous with God. We do not have to tirelessly, that word work, we don't have to keep going. We can rest in what God has done. We can stop working and we can rest, we can nap, we can sleep. In the, in the Psalms, it says God gives sleep to those he loved. Do you know the context of that? It was one of the songs of ascent. It's where the Jews would sing this when they go to Jerusalem. This is all pointing to the Sabbath. We can rest and sleep and not have to work on this day because of the Lord. The Lord provides for us. We can rest. Enter into God's rest. And, I, and by the way, I know I haven't even touched the New Testament. Is this still a law today? Or do Christians have to do this? Is this just for the Jews? There's 613 laws, only 200 plus even refer to anything moral and ethical that we might still follow today. Do we still Sabbath? I can't wait to answer that next week. But let's just pretend, let's just pretend we're in the Old Testament. This is how we rest in God. According to God, as we're following His Word, we rest. E stands for enjoy. Enjoy God and His creation. Enjoy His blessings. In Genesis 2, when it says God rested in His work, He completed it and He rested. He, this is very good. God wants us to do that. Enjoy something. Do something fun. A hobby or, or whatever. Uh, you, delight in the gifts God has given you. Your family, gifting, art, hobbies, uh, woodworking, painting, do something during that time where in the middle of it, you say, God, all my blessings come from you. I'm counting my blessings. This day, I'm setting aside for you, and I'm just going to enjoy what you've given me. S stands for stop. You, you, you can't read the Old Testament and think about this rest idea and the New Testament as well without realizing God wants us to stop. We humans are easily distracted. And believe it or not, even you multitaskers, even you, oh, I go, get up and go, I can work 24-7 every day, I never want to stop, even you, it's not that work is bad, it's not that you shouldn't work, it's not that work isn't fun for you, God wants you to stop what you're doing the other six days because he wants the seventh day to be special. That's what holy, sanctified, consecrated, set apart means. He wants this one to be unique for you and for the family and people around you. He wants people to go, dude, I know that guy could be working right now. I know he could. He even wants to. Why is he not? Why is he stopping for his God? What, what difference does this make? Why is he setting aside a whole day just to focus on God and to be prepared and ready for whatever he wants? That is so odd and so weird. Stop laboring. Set aside work to open your heart, mind, and soul to God. This is not called the lazy day. It's called the Lord's day. It's not a lazy day. And it's not for Netflix binging or just doing nothing. It's, it's more than that. Think of it like this. It's not a day off, but a day offered. God intended for this day to be an offering to the Lord. That's why that phrase, to the Lord, is repeated over and over about this. It's to the Lord. And T stands for trust. As you read these scripture passages, you see it over and over again. God 
is practically shouting and emphasizing, I want you to do this as a test and as an obedience of faith. Trust me that you can stop for a day and I'll take care of the universe, right? You're not keeping the mission going. You're not keeping the world going. You're not truly the sole provider for you or your family or the people around you. Recognize the Lord and say, I could stop. I don't have, you know, I guess I don't have to, but I'm going to. I could stop because I trust the Lord. Trust that God will not only provide what you need, but that he will be what you need. And the big question is, well, that's all in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? And uh, you just have to come to church. You just got to be good church people. If you come back next week, I'll tell you, unless I'm sick or dead. But, uh, but I, I, I want to be here. I will choose to be here if I can. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, I do thank you for rest and what it means to rest in you and how resting is not lazy or about entertainment or filling our flesh with whatever we want. It's so much deeper than that. To be a sign and a witness, to be a, a refreshing time between us and you, there's, there's so much depth to why you made this such a big deal. We know it's important. I thank you for Jesus and his disciples and uh, the habits and the rhythms they had through the hour of prayer, through the Sabbath day, through so many different things. Would you bless us as a people to understand how to follow Jesus and the disciples, what's even written in Acts, what Hebrews 4 reveals to us. We want to follow your pattern and we want to learn how to be fully human as Jesus was human. So would you help us to learn and listen? Would you help us to find our rest in you? And, um, and thank you for your wisdom that's only found in your word. There is no other place for us to go to understand who we really are and how to live in you. We love you because you loved us. Would you help us in our, in our pursuit of loving you and loving people and leading others to the same? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.